All right, what's up, everybody? This is The Film Room, and on this episode, we're covering 2008's The Strangers, a home invasion horror film starring Liv Tyler and Scott Speedman. And on this episode, I have my uh, brother-in-law, Sawyer, joining us. Why don't you say hi to good people? What's up, everybody? Now, Sawyer, I have a couple questions for you. Is this the first time you've ever watched The Strangers? This is not the first time I watched it many years ago, early, like, or like early 2010s, but I didn't remember much of it. So it really was like a first, first time watch all over. Gotcha. 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 And so since this is kind of a horror movie review podcast, are you a fan of horror films or is that kind of not your area, but you'll dabble in it sometimes? Yeah, it's definitely not my my preferred area i don't watch a lot of uh of horror movies so i kind of came into it with uh with like a really clean slate and not a lot of expectations so that was kind of fun um i would say normally you know i'm into a lot of like history type movies and and, and sports type movies and stuff like that so this was kind of a cool little change of pace for me awesome man i'm excited that you're on the pod and that we're going to be discussing this i have some pretty good notes i think this movie was pretty interesting i've i've seen this as probably like my third or fourth time but it's kind of been a while since i've had a most recent rewatch yeah i don't know i feel like i kind of picked up on a few more things watching it this this time around and kind of hit a little different because now i'm an adult and a homeowner (laughs) so now i'm just like all right i made sure all my windows and doors were locked before i went to bed that night (laughs) you know what i mean yeah definitely definitely changes your perspective on things that's for sure yeah before we kind of dig into this film here just kind of want to see what other stuff you've been watching anything else you've been digging into here any any movies or tv shows two two main things i've been watching um i've been i've been watching the the star wars series in chronological i guess be semi-reverse order but actual chronological order um so been watching those having fun with that and then we are um finishing up the final stranger stranger things season four um waiting for season five to come out nice man i feel like i haven't watched star wars in such a long time but i did I definitely binged the Stranger Things season four this summer. And it's like, what is it? Like almost 14 hours long, the entire season. The last episode's like two hours. It's crazy. Yeah, it's definitely been a grind, uh, especially the first three seasons I felt flew by. And then you get into the fourth and it it definitely, those those um, episodes got much, much longer. Besides, obviously, this film, I went to a movie in the theaters on Thursday it was probably one of the worst movies I've ever watched. And I'm talking about uh, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Oh. Yeah. Have you heard about that one at all? I have not. No. Yeah. So I went with Taylor and his girlfriend and I kind of tried to go into it blind, you know, just like I didn't watch any of the trailers. I just kind of saw that it was happening. I think it's only like a two or three night premiere that they're having it in theaters. But I'm like, okay, hey, this is kind of an interesting premise. And there were about 12 of us total in the theater. We actually had to pay extra. Like it was almost like 20 bucks a ticket to go and see this thing. And I think it was just because like it was they only had it for a couple of nights or something. A few people actually walked out 30 to 40 minutes in and we kind of had half the mind to to do the same. Yeah, it was really bad. Like we were like, I've never been like this before. But at the end of the movie, I was kind of like, I'm, I kind of want like a refund. It was that bad. Yeah, I, I, I don't recommend of that one i'm actually going to be writing a a, like a written review of it on 
uh, the film room's Patreon account. So if you want to go check that out, just go go to patreon.com and just search the film room horror and you'll see some of the other content that we have on there. But I plan on getting that up early this week. But yeah, that's probably my most recent watch. Other than that, I've just kind of been going through. I watched a little bit of The Last of Us. Yeah, as far as horror and thriller related, Lenny the Pooh, Blood and Honey. And I need, I need to watch something else to get that taste out of my mouth. So <laughs> probably have to pop on a, a classic tonight or something like that. All right. So let's kind of get into the background of The Strangers. So this film came out in 2008. I did a little bit of digging and I actually found out that it was originally supposed to come out in 07, but there were some post-production issues that kind of postponed it to um, a 2008 early spring or late spring early summer release it got not the greatest reviews very much mixed as a 48 percent on rotten tomatoes and i don't know i could kind of see why there are some things in there that aren't very logical that kind of makes you want to scream at the screen at your protagonist had a fairly low budget of nine million dollars and it made $82.4 million at the box office, which is pretty amazing. They did have a sequel ready to go and planned for, I think, about two or three years after that. But I don't know what happened. Probably some politicking in the studio and production companies. And um, they ultimately didn't end up making a sequel until... Yeah, exactly 10 years later in 2018, a sequel titled The Strangers Pray at Night. Did you ever see that one? Have you seen the sequel to, to this one? I did not. No, no, I, I haven't watched that. But I've heard that they're they're currently in the in the process of producing um, a third um, with actually a few yep. more along the way. Yeah, I, I saw that, too. I uh, There's a third film currently in production, and I guess they have two more subsequent films ready to go after that yeah so my i have some thoughts on that a little bit because i've seen the sequel and the sequel is like like this movie on steroids basically like it's more of a slasher than a home invasion and i kind of feel like with the revival of like the halloween series and some of these other slashers that have been coming out like texas chainsaw had a reboot and everything like they're kind of making this comeback in this revival so it feels like they're like oh like we have a market again to to go out and and make some money so i kind of feel like they're trying to jump on this wagon and and make some cash while they can how, for this series how did how did the film number two turn out because i know that you know film number one even with the mixed reviews it seems like it almost had the you know you had the people that didn't like it but it almost had like a cult-like following to the people that really really enjoyed it yeah I, I was reading about that too, where it kind of got this cult cult following. And I, I'm pretty sure that the sequel was successful box office wise. I'm not exactly sure of like critic wise, but I mean, if box office wise kind of tells the whole story, right? Like, or uh, an audience score, it's like, I'd rather, I don't really care what this snobby critic thinks, <laughs> more so of like what a regular person like me thinks if they're going to the theater and stuff like that. So, I mean, I remember watching it when I think I went went to it in theaters and I, I enjoyed it. And I, I honestly was kind of like, oh, they're, are they going to make a sequel? Like, it, I thought it was good enough to, to do that. 
the this film the the 2008 original was shot on location in in south carolina in in the falls a part of me is like okay nine million dollars i mean that is like lower budget but at the same time i'm like dang like how like where is all that nine million coming from you know what i mean yeah i had that same thought when you watch that movie and you keep that number in mind it is it's kind of crazy to think about where where that money was spent so the 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 writer and the director his name is uh brian bertino so he actually wrote this script and submitted it into a contest before ultimately selling it to universal studios someone else was actually set to direct the film but that director wanted 40 million dollars like as the budget i like i just feel like that's overkill like why do you need that much for a movie like this so they were kind of like no we're not giving you that amount of money and they turned to bertino and they were like hey do you want to direct this even though he had like no director experience and this was actually his directorial and and writing debut and then he went on to also i think he just wrote the sequel or co-wrote it he didn't direct it and then he only has like seven or eight other film credits so i don't know he just he kind of just like had these two big projects and the rest of them were a little bit a little bit smaller but it's kind of a cool for me it's kind of a cool story of how he he kind of got this opportunity because that's like my dream is like oh i'll just write a script and submit it and someone will like it enough or they'll give me a bunch of money to to use it you know what i mean like i don't know you never think that that would be like a possibility but for him it it was yeah i don't know i still I bet you, but going from 40 million to 9 million, I bet you they're like, yeah, sign us up. That's, that's perfect. That's fine. Oh yeah. We'll take it. I, I, I feel like too, where, where like his inspiration comes from or where you read his inspiration come from, from writing this though, it, it, it seems like only fitting that he would be the one to direct it. Yeah. It, he kind of had his own like spin on it. And I, this was also like, they wrote it and they shot it in like 2005 and 2006. So like, I guess this was still kind of part of that early 2000s where they even if it was like one percent true they were always slapping that inspired by true events and inspired by a true story you know just like oh really and then you look into it and they're like oh it's because a guy did this to another guy and 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 this guy heard about this and it's like not even close to how they portray it right but to but to someone who's not going to look that up just throws a little extra chills down your spine when you see that in the beginning especially a movie like this that's like so real and so close to home i mean this could happen to anybody it really like when you see that based on a true story or based on true events at least to me anyway i mean that really gave me a few extra goosebumps yeah no it was it was definitely freaky and like speaking of the theme like the film's portrayal of violence was more of like a wrong place at the wrong time unlike some of the other home invade older home invasion and slasher type films from like the 70s and 80s where it was like if you indulged or engaged in negative behavior you ultimately were resulted in being killed by the antagonist in the strangers movie it was like the death is random and unrelated to their behavior it's simply because they were home it's just it's scary because it just is a random act of violence like yeah they like they, I'm sure these guys were going door to door, figuring out who's home and who's not home or whatever. But once, they, it's just random, right? They could have done the next house or they could have done the house before. So, I think that's like the scary reality of it. Yeah, I have I actually have a quote from the the director about how this was inspired by true events. Here's the quote: As a kid, I lived in a house on a street in the middle of nowhere. 
One night while our parents were out, somebody knocked on the front door and my little sister answered it. At the door were some people asking for somebody who didn't live there. We later found out that these people were knocking on doors in the area and if no one was home, breaking into houses. That's scary. That is so freaky. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, I mean, it just goes to show you like, anything can happen at any time. And I think that's like the whole basis of this movie. And that's, and that, that's what really like scared me the most was I just kept thinking to myself, like the house looks in some sort of way familiar to like, you know, everyone's childhood home, the, the, the setting you were in, like the, 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 the places and everything. And, and you get to like know these people and they're real people. Like they have the same problems that everyone has. And then, and then to think that, you know, at any given point, in anyone's life, you know, maybe someone knocked on my door. Maybe I wasn't home. You know, I mean, you you just have no idea, and that that for me really freaked me out. Dude, I totally agree. And like one thing, I have this rule where I'm like, I'm not if it's dark outside, I'm not answering the door. Like somebody's knocking at for I think oh, for them in the, in the in the movie, it's like four o'clock in the morning. I'm not answering the damn door. <laughs> no way. No, no way. way. No, you, you go figure out. Go figure something else out because. Yeah, especially nowadays, like there's so many like schemes you can't really trust anybody anymore. I I don't know if I did I tell you about the time that I had these like two dudes who knocked on my door last winter at like no nine o'clock at night, and around here in the winter time, obviously it's like pitch black out at nine, and at the time our outside light was a red light bulb for Christmas, and uh, so it was extra scary. So. Yeah, I got this knock on the door and I didn't answer it the first time. I was like, whatever. And then he like knocked again. I was like, oh, fine, I'll get up and check it out. So I go out there and uh, there are these uh, two guys in like matching, look like trench coats, basically. And uh, I turned the light on and then I was like, I shouldn't, I should have just left the light off because it just made it even freakier to see them in this like red light. But they were, they were these like these, I don't know, like Mormons or something like that. Like almost like from this movie, like those, like exactly for those two kids in this movie exactly. that are like handing out freaking the Bible stuff. I'm just like, like, Oh, do you, uh, you want to talk about Jesus Christ? And I was like, no, not right now. Not really. So yeah, I like turned him away and I was like, I'm just not even going to like answer the door anymore. If like someone knocks, like, there's like no reason to. And like, after that, I'm just like, yeah, that kind of creeped me out a little bit. Not going to lie. They're probably harmless, but you just like never know. I mean, they looked, they kind of looked, I don't know, maybe like seniors in high school, but they could have been like early 20s. I don't know. It, it was hard to tell. But yeah, so when you have experiences like that and you watch films like this, it definitely makes it a lot more, it makes it scarier because like you you think about situations like that, like, oh, what if it was like this? And then you like start second guessing yourself a little bit. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, and it seems like this day and age too, you hear all these crazy things in the news and everything like that. And, and, and they always say, you know, well, the statistics of you being that person. Yeah. But someone has to be that person. It yeah. has to be somebody, right? That's why right. there is a statistic. So in the back of my head, I'm always like, I'm always on the, 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 the side of caution. And I'm like, you know, I, I, I just can't, I can't, I, I can't be that guy. You know, I can't be the 1% or the 2%. I just, I just can't do it. So another thing that I was reading is like, so obviously inspired by true events about an experience from his childhood also talked about how this is kind of inspired by the Manson family murders where they killed Sharon Tate, right? Is that her name? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Helter-Skelter. So I, I, de- 
I definitely got those vibes. A part of this film actually kind of felt late 60s, 70s a little bit, not going to lie. Right. With some of like right. the, you especially the furniture. Get that vibe. You, right. You especially get that vibe like in the end too, you know, like the way that, 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 that like the killings happened and stuff like that, and especially like in the music and stuff too. Everything's like, you know, it's definitely dated. That's for sure. Yeah, and I mean, I've I'm de- I was definitely interested in like the Manson family, just like learning information about them and stuff like that. And they 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 used to do this thing. I think it's called like creepy crawling or something, where like they would break into these homes and they would like move things around while people were like, so they would like go in and they'd like move your like move your TV or move a picture, move a painting, or just like all these like different things and. I'm just like God. That is so freaky. Let's move in. Let's let's move on to some more background information here. So the film's screenplay and working title was titled "The Faces," which honestly, I I probably would have been fine with that. Like, kind of makes sense with the masks they were wearing. Liv Tyler, who plays Kristen, said this was the most difficult film she had ever worked on at that point in her acting career. She ended up getting tonsillitis due to the extensive screaming that the role required so it was exhausting and it was also very painful for her so i i can imagine how how tough that would that would be i actually read somewhere that um when when they were filming this brian bertino would tell her um where a specific jump scare was coming from and then oh, yeah. he would do it in a, in a different area or he would they would have a, a you know someone stage somewhere else so a lot that you know they wanted her reactions to be like as raw as possible that's genius too yeah, I'm sure she's like, you ha- you asshole. <laughs> All right. Well, that's like a lot of like the background that I kind of have. Do you have anything else? Like as far as background I, before we kind of get into the the I characters do. and the actors? Yeah, I do. do tell. You had talked about you had talked about the Manson murders. I I didn't I didn't see that. But one thing that I did see that this movie might have been tied to, I, I don't think that it was like, you know, the, the, the director came out and said that. But the um Keddie Cabins in California, I, I guess there was oh, a certain yeah situation where this exact same thing was happening where it seemed as though um that these murder that took place in in Kitty, california had um you know no no correlation to the family that 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 was killed you know it just seemed senseless and it seemed um super bizarre and and there was like no targeting at all it just was the same thing wrong place wrong time situation so that was yeah. kind of interesting that was back in 1981 so i could definitely after reading about that see some influence in the movie if there was some or if it's just a coincidence or not it definitely has a lot of similarities i think i actually did see something about that and i, I yeah it's like that still hasn't been solved right nope the murders are still still out there the real life killers have never been caught dude that is so eerie that's so freaky yeah yeah somebody's grandpa out there somewhere knows you know he's got to see that he's not telling anybody what'd you do what'd you do for fun in the 80s grandpa but uh, i'll tell you later all right yeah yeah tell me how you met grandma (laughs) yeah yeah a lot of fun going to cabins in the summertime ready to move on to some of the characters here i am all right let's do it man so Liv Tyler as Kristen McKay, the girlfriend of James Hoyt, and she rejects James's proposal and seems to be, at least to me, this is how I kind of perceived it, uh, conflicted for most of the first half of the film before things kind of go down of like, maybe did I make the wrong decision because now our relationship's kind of like deteriorating before us or we can kind of get into that when we start covering more of like the scene by scene. 
But uh, Liv Tyler, that uh, she was kind of a big name back in in 08 when she got this role. She's the daughter of Aerosmith lead singer Steve, Steven Tyler, which I think a lot of people know. And she began her career as a model at the age of 14, but uh, not long after started pursuing a career in acting. And some of her notable work includes uh, this film, That Thing You Do, and Armageddon. What were your overall thoughts on Liv Tyler's performance? You know, I thought she did very good. I mean, when you're watching the movie, it definitely, they do a lot of setting up in the beginning. So you get to like feel that these people are real, you know, at least I did anyway. You feel like you kind of get to know them a little bit. You see their emotions and stuff like that. So it seemed just from the outside looking in, watching it at first, I actually watched the movie two times. So I kind of, the first time I just went straight through and like enjoyed it, you know? Yep. And when you watch that, it really seemed you like it felt real it felt like you were there like you were living it like you were feeling everything they were feeling so when i feel something like that you know i think that the the actors and the producers and the director they did exactly what they set out to to do yeah i thought she did a phenomenal job too i think she played it pretty realistic especially like the most terrifying part for me was when she was home alone and stuff started going down she obviously was pretty sketched out when james first answered the door and that was happening and then like you could kind of tell when she asked to take along with him to go pick up some cigarettes and she he was like no i need to drive to clear my head i think she was a little uneasy about that because she was like well what if that those people come back and he was like so he was so into his feelings and and what had happened that night that he just completely put that over his own head and he was just like whatever just tell him that tell them to go away. They're not going to come back. Like he was just like, that's not going to be a problem. Yeah. I definitely feel like her reactions and the way that she handled the situation were like, it was real. So I thought she did a great job. My question for you is I just kind of like started thinking about this since they're going to be making a bunch of sequels. I don't think she, I haven't seen the, the second one in like so long, but I don't think she's in that one at all. But do you think that she'll appear in future films in the, in the third one or maybe the other ones after that? How how old is she getting now? She's got to be. Uh, she's like 40, 40 something. Okay. I mean, who knows? Maybe it could be like, you, you, you know, it's hard to tell because I wish I would have seen the second one. I wish I could have seen like the direction they're going or, it, you know, is the third, the fourth and the fifth, are they going to be following along those same lines? It, you know, it's just such a soap in the air. Yeah. It's, it's hard because, you know, like we were just talking about this film is, relies so much upon like the random acts of violence so like they just they go from house to house and victim to victim it's supposed to be like new every single time that unless they're gonna pull like a halloween 2018 where it's like 20 years later kristen mckay has been looking for the the people that killed her boyfriend (laughs) and i don't think i'd like that route i kind of like the mysteriousness of this trio of serial killers going around to new victims and I guess I wouldn't be upset if she came back. I think if she came back, I would also want Brian Bertino to come back. And maybe since it was his original story, he could somehow like tie in a bunch of stuff that hopefully makes sense per boyfriend, James Hoyt played by Scott Speedbin. So he seems very distraught over the rejected proposal. And Hey man, I get it. Like that's a huge moment in your life. And, uh, like I would definitely feel embarrassed and upset and crushed if I were to be rejected after, 
asking that question, but uh, he he also mentions like how embarrassed he feels, and I kind of feel like he is like the sky's falling. Like, oh, she said no, so like, what's the point? Let's just let's just tear this entire thing down. There's no point. You said no. We like where where do we go from here? So I kind of felt like a part of him was I don't want to say he was overreacting or anything, but he was definitely like. Cause you could kind of tell her, she's like, can we talk about this? Like, what, how are we? Like, what's our status? Like it definitely felt like a real situation that would happen. What, what were your thoughts on that? Well, I almost feel like that kind of just shows you like what kind of a person he is, at least from my perspective, when I was watching that, he seems like a guy, especially the way he handled, you know, before he had left to go get her the cigarettes, the way he handled the situation to me seemed like almost so much confidence i mean maybe it was a show for her to keep to keep his his you know girlfriend or whatever they were at the point calm but it almost like edged a little bit of arrogance for me like when i was watching him like he was like so confident in that in himself and him situation so you know in my mind he seemed like such like a confident guy maybe a little full of himself that i could totally see something like that you know the rejection of a proposal yeah. You know, maybe in his mind, we had it made up that they were married and he had the wedding planned and everything was going to go the way he thought. I could totally see how that could really knock the guy down a few steps and really kind of stir up his world a little bit. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it, because I was actually thinking the same thing with like not only just how he handled the situation when they that girl first knocked on the door. And like I mentioned before, he was had all he was had all these other things on his mind where he like didn't even think about it. But like when he got back and I just felt like. And I, I really don't like characters like this because a part of it doesn't feel realistic. But, you know, when he comes back and he sees his girlfriend terrified, barricaded in a bedroom, holding a knife and there's like, obviously things are misplaced and uh, like you wouldn't walk in without noticing all this weird stuff that's been going on. And he's just kind of like, he's calm, but he's also kind of like trying to be this realist, like, no you're not seeing that that's not actually happening. And it's like, no, like, dude, we don't need you to be like that right now. So there are characters like that in other films, like hereditary, the the father kind of plays like you're, you're not, you're not seeing this or that didn't actually happen. Like, I want to say he was like gaslighting her or anything, but just kind of like, dude, get your head out of your own ass and like, take this seriously. Cause a part of like, we can get into this part, but yeah, the whole thing with like him going out to the car the first time and then coming back and then them finally making the decision to get out there and like leave that kind of pissed me off because it's like just both of you fucking go out there and just get in the car and go like just what are you doing man so yeah that part of his character kind of bothered me but like once shit actually started going down and he's like the type where it's like seeing is believing then he started kind of taking things seriously but then like you said there are those shades of arrogance that would still kind of come out where they were kind of waiting for him outside and he's like looking out the window and he just was kind of like, she'd be like, well, what if we do this? And he's like, no, we can't do that. No, they're waiting for us or whatever. It's just like, I don't know. Yeah. He kind of came off a certain way that wasn't the most uh, endearing for a character. I should say here is a very interesting uh, tidbit for you here. Sawyer. Did you know that James's car had North Dakota license plates? I did not know that. That is yeah. super cool. That's a uh, that's pretty awesome. So it makes you kind of wonder uh, where uh, where is James from North Dakota? What's going on? Like, is is this happening in North Dakota? I don't know. But Scott Speedman, the actor, he's a, or he's a British Canadian actor. His notable work includes a TV drama uh, Felicity, 
the vampire horror uh, action film series Underworld with uh, oh god, what's her name again? I can't even remember her name. You know what I'm talking about? The one who plays who's damn it, dude. How do I not know her name? Kate Beckinsale. <laughs> yes, there you go. Kate Beckinsale. Uh, and then the TNT drama Animal Kingdom. Uh, he was on the first two seasons and he was phenomenal on that. So anybody who's listening who hasn't seen Animal Kingdom, it's one of my favorite shows. So I would highly recommend and he's really, really good on it. All right. So now let's get into the three strangers, starting with Gemma Ward, who plays Dollface. She's one of the three strangers, and she's the one who knocks on the door and asks if Tamara is home. And she's basically the one out there kind of like sleuthing and figuring out who's who's home, who's not home, and basically selecting the victims. That scene was terrifying. And she for sure, like, remember when he tries flipping on the light and it doesn't work and he had to like screw it in? She for sure like messed with that, right? They were like insinuating oh, yeah, that. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So that 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 comes to my first thing that I found that was a little bit of a of a goof on their part. I, no one would notice this, and I don't know how I noticed this. But when he screwed in that light bulb, he screwed it in left handed. He tightened it to the left, which mm. no one would catch that. And I don't know how I caught that, but I actually had to rewind because at first it caught my attention. I thought something that was not right. It's so small, so minuscule, but I just thought it was kind of funny that he you know to tighten the light bulb he twisted it to the left which in no world i mean at least in the united states that's not that's not happening anywhere and no wonder their lights aren't turning on you're screwing all your <laughs> light bulbs the wrong way <laughs> <laughs> yeah i feel like this character's just sense of like calmness throughout the film was so eerie to me that she probably was one of the more she's probably the creepiest out of the three I'd say for me, I don't know, like obviously the man um, that's part of the trio is pretty scary as well. But there's just something about her that just gave me the heebie-jeebies, man. Gemma Ward is an Australian born actress and model, and she started modeling at the age of 15. And eventually she became the youngest model to appear on the cover of the U.S. edition of Vogue. That's pretty crazy. (laughs) That's a huge achievement. I like was not expecting to get like a lot of background information about some of these actors because they're not well really well known or anything and when i saw that i was like wow that's actually i'm gonna mention that that's pretty cool all right now let's move on to the second the second one that we see on screen and that's kip weeks as man in the mask that's what he's credited as one of the three strangers known for driving the pickup at the end wearing the sack on his head with like cutouts and painted face kind of thing and he first appears behind Kristen, as she stands in the kitchen, he's in the in the background in the hallway, which obviously one of the scariest parts of the film. I mean, just uh, I forgot how much how effective that scene is. It honestly kind of reminded me a little bit of some of the Halloween movies where he's kind of peering around the corner from behind. And I was like, I kind of like that touch. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, that was absolutely the most like. I mean, that put the, the, the most fright into me out of any scene in this whole movie. That was super, super eerie. You know, her having no idea, you know, hearing these weird noises and she's just doing her thing. I mean, super freaky. And and, and in my in my mind, he, he, he was the freakiest one out of all of them. Um, the mask, there's something about it that just throws you off. You know, it kind of has like Texas Chainsaw Massacre vibes to it. It kind of scared right. me a little bit. 
but but what really was the worst to me was his eyes i couldn't stop looking at his eyes and he had those you know the holes were were a little too big for for his i mean and it was freaky watching him scan the room and i thought he did a great job playing the man in the mask because he really i mean with zero words by far in my mind was the scariest of the three yeah that's funny you mentioned that because he's the only stranger uh to not speak throughout this film so yeah i think the whole just silence thing is pretty creepy in of itself i also got this random background information about the character but his preferred weapon of choice is an axe lugging that thing around the entire but he didn't even get to use it on anybody right well and it's interesting too that that's his preferred weapon choice because he brought no weapon right i mean you see you see later on in the film that when she walks into the shop that there was the axe was missing off the wall so i mean whether that was coincidence or what you know he he came there with nothing so he either improvised that, maybe he got lucky or or whatever, but that that's kind of a cool bit of information. See, that's the yeah, that's that is really cool. And that kind of like that makes you want to get into the lore of these of these three characters more and be like, oh, is that like a cause this is a game to them. This is like a a hunt for them. So as part of their game, like we don't bring our own weapons. We find what's there and we use what's there. Like we we don't bring anything from the outside. So who knows? Maybe we'll get the, some of those uh those answers uh, in the next films last but not least the uh third of, of the third strangers is uh laura margolis as pinup girl and she first appears behind james and Kristen with a pickup truck when i mentioned before they finally decide to try to leave and she rams into the back of their car and just ruins their their getaway vehicle she actually has the shortest amount of screen time of all the strangers. I wanted to talk to you about this because I kind of wanted to see like what your thoughts were on this line. So at the end when, and we could get into this later too, but when she, when the three of them are driving and they stop those two kids and Dollface comes out and she's like, can I have one of those? And he's like, are you a sinner? And she says sometimes. And then when they get back in the pickup pin pinup girl says, it'll be easier next time. So is she saying like this doll face is kind of like conflicted and saying like, the more we do this, the more numb you'll be, you'll, you'll come to this act. Or is she saying like this last one was kind of messy and we'll make sure that we cross our T's and dot our I's. Like what, what was your interpretation of that? So I actually took that as like when they met those boys pushing their bikes down the road to me, that was almost like, that was like the last kind of slap in the face that these people really did not care. I mean, these people, there was no name, no explanation, no remorse. And I almost looked at that. Like it was almost like, uh, you know, a little bit of cockiness on their part. Like they were almost like showboating to themselves. They can't tell anybody. They can't talk about it. So this is kind of their way of like getting that out there a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. so, so that just brings us right back to the, it could be anybody. I mean, those two boys, They could have they could have fallen in the same fate. So to me, it was almost like for them, the whole movie is just about them being in control. And I feel like that right there just showed you a little bit more, you know, that they that they like to be in control. You know. Yeah. No. Very very interesting. Yeah, I, I completely forgot about that line um, from the last time I watched it. So when I saw that, I was like, "Ooh, that'll be an interesting topic of discussion." Yeah. All right, I think this is my last character here before we kind of get into the scene by scene, but. Uh, Glenn Howerton as Mike. 
James's best friend who comes to pick him up in the morning. Glenn Howerton is best known for Always Sunny in Philadelphia. He's a, I think he was a creator, writer, producer, director, and he obviously plays uh, the crazy Dennis Reynolds uh, and obviously hysterical uh, Dennis Reynolds on that long running TV show. Uh, I actually really like, really, really liked the incorporation of Mike in this movie. What were your thoughts on that character and kind of the short role that he played? Well, I'm a, I, I love Glenn Howerton. I'm a big Always and Sunny, or It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia fan. So it was cool to see him like walk through the doors. You're not suspecting that, especially he. I mean, he. I mean, he wasn't huge at that point, but It's Always Sunny was definitely going. I mean, he had some yep. other big roles, so it, it was really cool to see him in a movie that. I mean, I know this movie, you know, was was pretty well known back then. I mean, it did very well, but it was kind of neat to see him in like such a, you know, lesser supporting role that that was so short. I mean, what was he in there for five minutes, if if that? Yeah. You know? that. So you got this, you know, semi successful or pretty successful actor who's just comes walking through the door. It kind of got me excited. I, I I really liked that part. That kills always kind of like stuck with me, just being like, especially because it's not from one of the strangers. It's it's James and you can kind of see it coming, you know, there, there are definitely, and we'll get into it when we kind of get into that scene, but there are definitely parts of that where I'm like, Hey, this isn't uh, I don't think this is how a normal human being would react to this situation. Like, Oh, somebody busts your fucking windshield and then you're walking around. There's car on fire. There's window, there's doors wide open. There's shit flying everywhere. It's like, I think you would probably just call the police right away or drive away i don't know so but yeah no i i i did it i did like that you kind of were thinking like oh this guy's coming to the rescue type of thing ultimately that did not happen so all right i think i went through like i didn't have anything about the two boys in the beginning and the end just because like there's not much to say about them but uh what do you say we dig into this uh, this beast? Let's do it. Awesome. All right. So the movie opens with a voiceover talking about the estimated violent crimes in America each year and also talking about how on this fateful night, Chris and McKay and James Hoyt left a wedding reception and returned to the family summer home. And that's where the brutal um, events took place. And they still don't exactly know what happened that night so that voiceover gave me like flashbacks of the texas chainsaw massacre you know like what you are about to see is inspired by true events you know like stuff like that so we talked about earlier how they were just they were just using that over and over again and and they do sometimes now but it was like they used it a lot in the 70s and then they kind of stopped and then late 90s and early 2000s they kind of brought it back again and i'm like yeah that was uh i thought i was about i was starting texas chance on mask again but i kind of like the beginning of the film where we start at the end right and then we have to retell the story or find out exactly what happens because it starts with the panicked 911 call from one of the kids jordan talking to an operator saying there's so much blood and I think they're 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 people that are dead and kind of just like going crazy then it kind of just flashes to the title card and then we start 
with the night with Kristen and and James. Did you like that opening? I did. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was really cool. It there are some things, and I'll talk about it a little later. That you know, I had some questions about once the movie ended. But yeah, I thought that was really. I thought that was cool. And again, it just goes right like you were talking about. What I really thought of when I when I heard that that beginning and you're doing all this was like the American Most Wanted. Like when you're a kid, you get home, you're like watching that at night. They had that exact same like style of intro on there. Yep. So th- th- that's exact. Like that's the first thing that my mind went to when 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 I saw that opening. Let's kind of talk about like before there's any like dialogue at all, and we're just kind of watching those two in the vehicle driving to the summer house, and you can just kind of tell that there's a lot of tenseness in the air. They're not saying anything to each other. Like they don't even have to say anything to each other, and you know that there's something going on. And then when he stops at the mailbox, he like slams the car door like really hard, gets the mail. And she's like watching him. She kind of was like, really, are you really doing this? And then she lights up a cigarette and she's like watching him. He gets back in the car and nothing's being said at all until they get into the house. And she kind of sees like what he had planned. So did you did you kind of like how instead of like just like everything was kind of implied in, in that short amount of time that we were meeting our main characters? Did you like that? Yeah, it was super uncomfortable. You know, you you saw it when he walked through the door when she's smoking her cigarette outside. He didn't even he just went straight through without her, didn't even close the door, left it wide open for her. So I mean you yep. could definitely tell there was some tension in the air. Yeah, and this guy was obviously so confident that she was gonna say yes that he he got like a bunch of rose petals on the on the bed and in the in the bath and he was hoping for a super romantic night, you know, and she's like, well, when did you have time to do this? And she must have like been a bridesmaid or something. He's like, well, when you're with the girls, I, I did all, all this. And so you start, you're kind of like putting the pieces of the puzzle together. And I was, I was reading some quotes from Liv Tyler and Scott Speedman. And they both said that like throughout this movie, they like that not everything is just like thrown in the audience's face and like over explained. They like that. It's dial. You're watching a conversation between two people and you, you're kind of having to just like they're, they're implying things. And then you're just kind of have having to like catch on as the story goes on, you know, and it's not just like given to you on a silver platter. So I I really like that. And, And that's ultimately why they took these roles. Right. And I feel like it's easy for us to catch on um, like I said, it, we've all, we've all, you know, lived that, that same, you know, that same scene out everyone has. So uh, it's like, it really, just, so many like rejected said, proposals for me. <laughs> yeah. I've had a few <laughs> myself actually, but thanks for bringing that up. But, but it, it just goes to show you, like I said, they're, they're humans, you know, these aren't just some, you know, yeah. they did a great job setting up the fact that these are real people, you know, that this is supposed to be real you know, to them and to us. And, and they, you know, they brought it in a way that like really makes you feel like you can kind of relate to that. Yeah. And it, it keeps going on in this beginning part of the the film where she's like sitting in the bath, almost like in a fetal position, like thinking about what just happened and how he's, how he's kind of like reacting towards her. And then he goes outside. Right. And he, calls mike and says like hey mike like things did not go as planned tonight sucked i need you to you're probably drunk right now or you're sleeping but i definitely need you to come pick me up in the morning and i'm gonna let kristen take the car and she can just like and this is like like we talked about this before where just like i'm like dude like why are you like doing this like you're just like you're feeling so bad for yourself and maybe it's just a situation for him to like 
or it's a it's it's him just trying to remove himself from the situation entirely you know like because he can't you know he's he's stuck there with her yeah i kind of liked how we were kind of like flipping back and forth from her sitting there in silence and him kind of like putting his thoughts out there and talking to his friend like dude you got to come and get me <laughs> i can't be here anymore <laughs> Yeah, super awkward. Like, that's a super awkward situation. Nobody wants to be in that. I feel for the guy eating his ice cream all alone. It, that, that, that's not a fun place to be. Yeah. And and so the next scene, and I, dude, I completely forgot that this was, I, I didn't even know that they did a flashback and like showed part of like earlier in the night at the wedding reception and, the, and right before the proposal. Like, I didn't even, I, I, completely blanked from my memory so i was like oh like okay so we can kind of see what happens and yeah so he like walks up to her takes her outside and just kind of says like i've been wanting to ask you this for a long time and i want to spend the rest of my life with you and uh i i actually do think that it was a really good like directorial move to to not like go over her like show her saying no and then like seeing that immediate reaction and still having some ambiguity on like what happened in the span of her saying no and them getting in the car and driving to the summer home because then it just goes back to her sitting in that tub dejected you know and he definitely had some really good like storytelling pieces in in the beginning of this film well and you can really tell too that he was feeling sorry for himself when he tried to give her that ring you know, he tried to give it her anyway, maybe like almost trying to make her feel a little bad about it. Like he's trying yeah. to play like a nice guy in that situation where he's, you know, take it. I can't keep it. You know, please, please just keep it. At one point he says, or she says, I'm so sorry. It wasn't the way you thought it would be. I'm really sorry. And then his response was just, well, what do we do now? You know, like just a little bit of pettiness i just feel like from him just like <laughs> you know like she's trying to work through this with you like obviously like i just i felt like there was a sense of love still like they he, she definitely still loved him but she just like wasn't ready and he's just like willing to throw away everything you know and she even says like I, i'm just not ready yet i'm just you know it's just what it is and it's like it's like pulling teeth to get him to talk to her because he's just so embarrassed and then it kind of seems like they're starting to make up a little bit because they damn near bang on the counter oh and also yeah. he was feeling bad for himself and eating an entire gallon of fucking ice cream <laughs> the biggest jug yeah yeah i did not i did not get that i mean like with how bad the dude was feeling you know i, I mean i don't know if she was trying to make it up to him or what but that just seemed like out of nowhere you know that, that like just came came out of thin air i would not have expected that in that situation that that was really insane yeah i don't know if there was just like yeah this built up like sexual tension or like maybe it was like she's trying to resolve it through talking it through with him but he doesn't want to talk so maybe she felt like a way for them to like break that barrier is for her to like for them to have this conversation like physically or like sexually or something and then then they can like have the the post coitus conversation <laughs> or something <laughs> like that <laughs> i don't know um probably reading into it too much but hey 
this is where shit starts to go down. Get a knock on the door. And they're both like, what is it? Like four o'clock in the morning? Why would somebody be be knocking on the door? And just like we mentioned before, this is the scene where James answers. Didn't she say like, you don't have to answer it? And he's like, no, I'll just go and because I think they knocked like two or three times. So he eventually answers it. And then we get that scene where Dollface is asking if Tamara is there. And he's like, no, really sorry. No one here of that name. The, 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 the one thing that I noticed from the get-go when you heard that knock and they were talking it's four in the morning, it's yeah. 2008, people. Get a peephole on your on your door. I mean, yeah. like, that was the, that, like throughout the whole movie, I kept thinking about that. It's like if they just had a peephole, you know, this could have been like a different different situation. If you just didn't have to open the door to see who's out there. Dude, I like, come on, yeah. get a ring, you know, get a ring camera or something. You know, I mean, I don't I don't have a peephole on mine, but I do have a camera. And dude, I do that all the time. So I'll I'll either walk over to my spare bedroom and I'll like like so they don't see me. I'll like slowly move the curtains a little bit and like see who's out there, or I'll just like look on my my camera and that's how I kind of determine if I'm gonna answer the door or not. And yeah, I'm just like I'm looking at those like I mean those those doors were ginormous. They were like solid oak, and I'm just like. Yeah, if I'm living out in the middle of fucking nowhere, I'm easily gonna have. I'm a dr- I'm dr- drill a hole, dude. That's all you need to do. <laughs> yeah, but what it, man? I know. Just do something like, like figure it out. And you could tell that James, like they're kind of coming down from that high and uh, the adrenaline from the previous situation, and they kind of obviously interrupted the like they're not back on that level or anything. So he's kind of like back into that. I don't want to talk about it mode. And she's kind of more like that was weird. Like she kind of wanted to talk about how odd of a interaction that was. So, right. Yeah. She seemed way more phased than he did, but you know, too, that like women have a lot different problems to worry about than men. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I mean, he probably felt a lot safer, you know, seeing like a, like a small young woman stand at the door. I mean, you know, I can see how you could overlook something like that and thinking it's pretty innocent. Yeah, for sure. Well, 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 since we're on that topic, like what would, how would you handle that situation? Four o'clock in the morning, you and your wife are just, I mean, let's not even say you're sleeping. Cause if you're sleeping, then I'm, then I'm definitely suspicious. But if I, if my lights are on, then that's a different story, I guess, if I'm awake. But so like, let's, yeah, let's just say you're up watching TV or having some insomnia, like, what do you, what do you, how are you handling that situation? There's a 0% chance I open that door. Absolutely none. <laughs> 0% chance. I'm walking to the room. I'm getting my gun that sits beside my bed and I'm going to lay it beside me on the couch. Absolutely not. Am I answering that door? No chance. Damn. I mean, it could be, it, to be honest with you, it could be like five in the afternoon and there's a pretty good chance I'm not answering the door. I mean, it's like, it's like getting a phone call on your, like, just shoot me a text, man. You know, chances are good. I'm probably not. I'm not going to acknowledge that whatsoever. Yeah, dude, I'm in the same boat as you. I'm definitely, I'm definitely not answering. Like you said, he handled it with so much uh, confidence. Okay, let's go down this road then. What if you did answer that door and it was that girl and she was asking those questions? How wh- how would you respond to the to that? Well, I don't know how you could do it any differently. I mean, it's not like she was doing anything wrong. 
you know right. he, he assumed that she was lost and i think like where they were the setting that they're in it seems like this is like his childhood home like maybe it was like something left by his father or something like that like that they use as like a vacation home now you know yeah. definitely secluded or something like that so i mean it's not like far-fetched what he did i could definitely see you thinking the same thing because what are you going to do you're not going to you're not going to call the cops on somebody just for for knocking on your door you know i mean the thing that i take issue with though sawyer is that they don't have any neighbors like they are out in the middle of nowhere so if there is just like i i would be very I, and i'm just i'm a paranoid and suspicious person to begin with so i would definitely be like well, how'd you get out here like where's your car yeah yeah he rationalized that by saying to her you know people get lost out here all the time you know like yeah. it seems like to him it's something that like is so normal you know yeah i don't know i, I probably would just had like a few more questions which who knows if that would have deterred them or not like if i was like if they're like oh these guys kind of seem suspicious maybe maybe it's because he seemed so innocent about it and so nonchalant that they're like oh these guys are perfect if it would have been a guy like me who's like well, where's your car? What's the house number you were looking for? What's this? What's that? You know, then they'd be like, "Hey, this guy's fucked." Like, <laughs> yeah, social security number. You got fingerprints on you. We got Rambo in that fucking house. We're not. Uh, <laughs> we're not. We're not doing this one, guys. <laughs> yeah, we'll call it. Call it. We we'll call yeah. it. Turn, turns around, goes like, "No, not this guy." <laughs> I mean, I, I I would definitely be scared though, since Kristen is a smoker. She she obviously smokes through a pack and she's all out of cigarettes and uh, she goes I'm out of cigarettes and then James like is like he just pops up he's like well I'll get you some I can get I'll run to the store and get you some and she's like no it's fine I I think I should just go to bed and then he's like you're not gonna fall asleep so basically and saying to me like you usually have a cigarette or two before you you finally lay down um, and that's where I talked about before where she was like, well, let me come with you. And he's like, no, I need to take a drive. I need to, you know, blow off some steam and think about some stuff. And uh, yeah, that's where he like lights her uh, a fire. And then he eventually, uh, he eventually heads out. And then, yeah, I just knew right away. I'm like, oh, dude, what are you doing, man? But, and, and she even said like, well, what if that girl comes back? So what are you doing if your wife says that to you? If she goes, well, what if that person comes back? You're not leaving, are you? This, this dude's a jerk, man, from the get-go. Like, I, I had the same thing you thought. I thought as soon as he left, I'm like, dude. And I mean, I don't know what the time frame is supposed to be. You know, there's no clock on the wall showing you. But yeah. I mean, it's like, to me, this looked like a matter of like 15 minutes after this happened. I mean, you're not leaving your your girlfriend or your, the, you know, the woman you just proposed to. I mean, he obviously loved her enough to do that. You're not leaving her after that. There's no way. Yeah, that's definitely like an asshole move. Like, dude, just just go to bed. Just like fucking let cooler heads prevail or get sleep on it. Wake up, have a conversation. Because he even says, he's like, oh, by the way, you're taking the car tomorrow and Mike's picking me up. And I just don't think a long car ride with each other would be good. And she's like, I think we need to talk more. And then she's like, but I guess if you like don't want to, we don't have to. And it's like, dude could be a child about this and like you know like but you know, have a conversation we'll get to it later too but it's not going to be the only time he does that you know you really can see that this guy he isn't like the nicest guy you know he's really full of himself and he's in it for for one and that's for sure yeah so he ends up leaving and she's home alone and is there anything weird that happens before the second knock 
I can't remember. Does she start playing like a record or are we just following her around as she kind of just does some random stuff around the house? Do you remember? Yeah. 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 Well, I know she goes and gets some water. I think she puts a little bit of music on, um, you know, so it kind of that already, you know, like she puts on an old record and then she goes and gets a drink and that's when she, she hears the first. Yeah. And she gets kind of startled by it from what I can remember. These are pretty like aggressive knocks too. They're like, do, do, do. like, come on, dude. If I'm hearing knocks like that, I'm definitely not fucking answering that door. But obviously <laughs> they're, they're watching them from like the woods or something. They obviously saw James leave like, Oh, this is perfect. Like, like they, they probably don't even know if he's coming back or not. They might think that he's just fucking I'm out, man. She, she answers the door or she goes like, or no, she, she doesn't answer the door. She has, she doesn't even open the door. She just goes and she goes, hello. And the same girl's like, is Tamara home? She goes, you already came by here. And then she goes, are you sure? Doesn't she just like go away? (laughs) And then she, uh, I mean, she does like what every, I think any logical person would probably do. And she calls James and is like, Hey, that girl came back. Remember we, we talked about this and said like, what if they come back? And you said they wouldn't. Well, she came back. He's like, like, what do you, what do you mean she came back? And it's like, is it really that hard for you to understand the situation? The girl came back and knocked on the door, bro. <laughs> That's what she's talking about. Yeah, this is where we find out that her, her phone battery is, is dead, and so she had been, she had plugged it in, and it was charging. I kind of like this. It's very subtle. She's like, no, I'm fine. I just, can you just please hurry and get home? And then she just goes, how far away are you? And we can't hear what he's saying on the other line. And she just says, okay, will you just stay on the phone with me? And then the line gets cut or, or drops off or he hangs up on her or something. And then she's like, James, James. And then uh, I just I just like how it kind of builds that tension of like, how far away, how far away are you? And I was expecting to like find out like, Oh, I'm five minutes away. I'm ten minutes away. I'm fifteen minutes away, and you just don't hear anything. So that was kind of freaky. But yeah, this is where stuff truly starts like going down, and and she gets terrorized. I think what happens next is that smoke starts like billowing out of the fireplace, right? Yeah, yeah. They must have like plugged it up or something like that. They, they the, shut the, the shoot. Yep. Because then the alarm goes off, obviously triggering the the smoke alarm, and then as she's trying to disarm that there's another knock at the door. And isn't this where they all just start like banging on doors and windows and trying to freak her out basically. Right. Like one distracts as, as someone else's that that's all I could think about the whole time is every time she went to go investigate one sound or something like that, that's, you know, it was like a distraction for something else or someone was moving around, you know, cause then her, her, her cord gets cut on her, on her charger. The, the, the um smoke detectors sitting on top of the chair you know stuff like that as she's searching around looking out the windows trying to you know figure out what's going on yeah and then then there was that scene where the mat or the man in the mask is in in the house standing behind her so that's where you know like okay shit is real and there's more than one we only know that there's right now we just know that there's two of them we don't know that there's uh all three she kind of starts panicking and she starts hearing like rustling around in the backyard so she grabs like a a knife from the kitchen 
and she starts opening up curtains and that's where she sees the the man in the mask and she freaks out and then i think she like barricades herself in the in the bedroom, the bedroom. yep and then a uh, little james comes home right you hear him walking right yeah you hear you're hearing footsteps as she's sitting in there you know anticipating uh, the man in the mask to come in and then james pops her on the corner and finds her still not believing a word she says he's like know? what are you doing he was like annoyed well she was she was definitely like she was terrified and she was like like freaking out and he was like grabbing her and he's like he's like stop Kristen, just relax what is going on and then she'd be like there are people out there and he goes what are you talking about and i'm like dude she's got a fucking knife she's crying you can she's completely distraught like how are you not believing her right now? Like, why, like, why would she just, and you just had a conversation with her on the phone. Like, yeah, somebody's knocking on the door. Like she was clearly freaked out on the cell phone. So I don't know. That's the more I, I want to like this James guy, but the more I think about it and the more we go through this movie, I'm like, he's not very likable. No, this dude's a jerk. This yeah. guy's terrible. Yeah. She basically is like, I saw a man at the back door and he's like, well, what, what kind of man? He's like, well, he was wearing a mask. And he's like, what kind of mask? A ski mask? And she's like, I don't, I don't know a fucking mask. Like that's where she had her breaking point being like, quit asking for specifics. There are people out there. They're trying to get in. I don't know what they want from us, but we need to fucking like get out of here. We need to make up a game plan. Right. And, so he makes a point to, 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 to walk around the whole house again in my mind super arrogantly like he's showing everyone he's like, like being condescending you know like yeah like i'm like a monster under the bed you know he's he's yeah. flipping these lights on for her showing her like take a look around you know there's no one here yeah he's like opening the blinds he's like no one's out here he's like what right. are you what are you talking about what prompted him to go out to the car was it that he left his cell phone in there well, so, so at first you got to back up a little bit so when he took her into the garage he he's sitting there telling her you know what are you what are you doing she climbs up like on to like look out the window of the garage oh, there's like that little, doll face. that little window and she says he goes what are you doing and she said that she's watching us and then he looks up there too and he sees this woman standing out there staring at them from like you know the street or far away or whatever right. and he was asking her what she wanted to do or whatever and then as soon as they look away you know what does he say um she looks like a ghost. You want me to go talk to her? And, uh, and then she's like, you know, what'd she say? Something like they don't want to talk to us or whatever. And he's like, well, people don't just stand there. You know, he still like couldn't wrap his head around it. So I think that's when he went out to go to the car to go get his phone. So he could, you know, so he could take a look at it or something like that. He was going to call somebody. Um, but she said, you know, he asked her where her phone was. She said, you know, someone moved it. And I think that's when he decided he's going to go out and get his phone. Cause she didn't have hers on her. Yeah, and he's he still seemed like, oh, these are probably just some like teenagers like fucking around with us or something. Um, yeah, because like she kind of follows him out there a little bit while he's like getting into the car, and she like doesn't she just like sit there and like light up a cigarette or something like as he's as he's like walking out, she's like, be careful, and just like, why don't you guys just get in the fucking car and leave? Right. Like your girlfriend is like so like scared right now just like go just leave man just and right. you don't even want to be there in the first place this is a good opportunity for you to just let's leave i'll drop you off at a hotel and then i'll go to mike's place or whatever but is this where we find out that his his tires have been slashed 
right? Yeah, he comes out and the whole the whole car smashes, front windshields, tires are popped. And then I, I didn't get that because he did his car not start because he you saw him like stick his foot out, he rolled it a little backwards, you know, mm-hmm. hit the brake just to make sure. I don't know if he was checking to make sure it still moved or what the guy was doing. Um but yeah, it was he was it was in rough shape. Yeah, that's right, because he yeah, because then he eventually went back into the house, right? Right. He did. Yep. Yeah. After seeing all that. Well, something touched his neck. So he got like a feeling of some someone touching the back of his neck. Oh shit, dude. I completely forgot about that. That's right. Right. So he, you know, when he sees that person out there, he asks her, um, what do you want? You know? And 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 you had mentioned that seeing um help me out there, Matt, not dollface, but the the third the third person. Uh pinup girl. Pinup girl. So you said that we saw her, you know, whenever, but actually you see her in that scene because for a split second, when he's looking at that girl, someone or something is running through the woods beside his car. And you just see a flash of a body, you know, right, right in front of the camera by his car. So he's like looking at that, sees this person out here. That's when he like gets into the car, you know? So at that point I'm like, I'm freaked out, you know? Yeah, you, you see that person just booking it through the woods. You know, you don't know how many there are, or who who's all out there. Oh, dude, yeah, that would be because I think yeah, he goes back in. She he like she like cut her hand on something. I can't remember what happened, but he like patches that up with his with his tie. Do you remember what prompted them to? Because like, they went back inside, and then what prompted them to leave again? Was it the cell phone thing? Yeah, yeah. So. That, that's where this guy's jerk number two, because they, they, <laughs> so, so actually, you know, there, there's like a lot more that happened um, up until he leaves again. Um, Mike mm-hmm. had come and gone, you know, since that. So that, that's like next, because he didn't, act, they didn't actually leave the house until then. Um, just a quick tidbit. Fact number two, you said he had put his tie on her hand. Yeah. He, he, you see him visibly like rip his tie in half. I don't know why he did that, but he rips his tie in half. He ties on her hand. The very next scene, he's still wearing a tie. Oh man! It was just, just like again, super small, but Superman's strength to rip a tie in half. Yeah, Holy shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just got a whole bunch of them. So, um, but yeah. So I think after that, that's when when you know they start to realize like these people are in the house. You know, because he's asking for her phone again. He's asking her to check her bag, all that. Well, I I I do think for sure that they tried going out to the car and leaving before Mike got there. Because oh, remember that you're right. Yeah. Right. Because of the pickup. Yep. Because that's where you meet the, that that's where the pinup girl comes in with the pickup and, and smashes them. You're right. Oh dude. Now I know what it is. He went out there to get his cell phone. Couldn't find his cell phone. Then when he came back in, his cell phone was fucking smashed on the table. With the battery out. That's yeah, right. with the battery yeah. out. And then and that's right. when he's like, he's like, Kristen, we have to fucking leave. Like, we have to yep. leave now. And so they You're run right. out there and then they get into they get into the vehicle. And I don't know about you, but I don't know if he was like worried about ruining his rims because his tires were slashed. But I'm like, dude, you can still fucking ride on you could drive on those things. Like Yeah, he just rolls out again, you know? Yeah. Real he slow. like he's slowly like I'm like, dude, if you see and then yeah, pin up pinup girl gets up behind them and in, in the in the pickup and they just kind of sit there and watch and like what what is she doing and it's like why are you wondering this just if i i would just be driving 
I would be driving. I'd, I'd oh, yeah. a bitch oh, yeah. and drive, and I'd drive, okay? I wouldn't be worrying about what's happening behind me. I would just be driving. Like, I don't... You obviously know more about, like, cars than me, but, like, I'm sure it would be hard to maneuver a vehicle that's just on rims, but you could still get around, right? Yeah, not impossible. Not impossible. Okay. Definitely not. And, like, the tread hasn't completely fallen off, like, so you can still drive on right it. but this guy didn't even he didn't even attempt to like start the car you know you you don't yeah. hear any of that he, he makes zero attempt you know he's like rolling backwards with his foot at this point i mean he is just like creeping yeah and then they smash into the into the back of it and then they uh yeah don't they just like run back inside right right, right looking for a gun and this is my all-time this is my favorite part of the whole movie is is you know, he's, he, he's like, Oh, my dad keeps a gun in here somewhere. So that's where I kind of got like the, the whole like childhood home type deal, you know, cause he right. said his dad, my dad left a gun in here somewhere. Favorite part of the whole movie is, uh, she's like, what are you doing? I'm looking for bullets. And then he's like, I don't even know how to use this thing. And she goes, she looks, she looks at him and she goes, what do you mean? I thought you went hunting with your dad all the time. And he goes, I just said that. <laughs> like he did, he's like, you know, he's just, I never did that. It's just something I said. I'm like, yeah, what? I just said that. You know, sorry. I didn't know. You know, so she ends up like doing it for him. You know, she's yeah. holding the gun for him and everything like that. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. So she goes, I'm not I'm not sure I even know how to load it. But you said you used to hunt with you used to hunt with your dad. No, I never did. It was just something that I said. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> just a classic douche, man. This guy's just something else, you know. That's where they 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 go into the bedroom and they basically just like put open the door and sit there and she's like, Well, what are we gonna do? And he's like, We're either gonna wait here until they come in and I shoot them or we're gonna wait until the cops show up. Like Well, this is this is when the axe came in, right? Because he says we're gonna open that door and you're gonna run. And as soon as they oh, got to that door, that's, that's when the axe right. came. boom. You know, you got like shining 2.0 coming yeah. at you. Yeah, he's just like breaking that door down, checking it, like, and you can see him. And then he he does, he fires a shot off blindly through the door, and then they go decide we're gonna wait this out. And then what does he say? Uh we're not we're not gonna fucking die here as they're like huddled yep. in a corner, you know, in a dark room, pointing a gun at the door. Yeah, we're gonna wait for the fucking cops to come or whatever, but we're not gonna fucking die. Yeah. Uh yeah, no, I forgot about how they initially were just gonna run through the front and then yeah, the axe was coming through. I'd almost would like like I don't know. What kind of shotgun was that? Was that just like a one pump and you'd have to reload it? No, no, you can definitely put a few in there. So he, I, I don't know. I mean, if that was just experience, inexperience on his part or what, but I'd have been throwing a lot more mud through that door. Absolutely. Oh my God, dude. Yeah. If I shot through, I would be like, okay, open. This guy has an ax and I have a shotgun. And it open was super the door. refreshing. What, what horror movie have you saw? Where they have, or like a thriller or horror, where they had like an ample amount of ammo. They had like more than they needed. I mean, this guy throws open a box of shotgun shells, and I'm like, finally, someone who has like a sense, you know, he's got like more yeah. than two, you know, he can he's actually use them. Pockets full of shells. Right. He's right. got like 20 and of them. All he does is fire off one shot into the door, and then they take off running. That was all he, that was all he had in him. Yeah, they, they, they shoot at the door, but then, and then they retreat further into the home. Yeah, this was, yeah, exactly where, I'm just like, come on, man. Like you said, you didn't know how to use it. Well, guess what? He's like, I don't even know if I, had to, if I know how to load it, you just loaded it and you just shot it. Just do the same thing again. <laughs> like, right. yeah, just it's, it's whatever. I don't know. Maybe he thought that she would be frozen in fear and not be able to continue forward. But Hey, now we get to the mic part. Mike comes in. So they're, they're staking out in that bedroom. 
Mike calls him. He's on the phone. He's like, Hey, Hey James, I'm here to pick you up, man. And I think while he's on the phone, they like throw something at his fucking windshield and like bust it. The, yeah. The yeah. And, and it didn't phase him whatsoever. I don't no. know if he's drunk or what, but th- he had no care in the world. He got out like weird, you know, bricks are falling from the sky. He, he did not care one bit. Yeah. That's yeah. That's what I was saying where I was like, yeah, that's probably not how a normal human being would react in a situation like that. Like you're there like, okay, maybe I'd get out of my vehicle and I'd be like, what the fuck? Like what just happened? And I'd like look around and that's believable. But as soon as he started walking to like towards the house and he sees their fucking car on fire. And like I said, the lights are on the fuck it. There's a hole in the door, like an ax door. Music is just down blaring. blaring. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, I'm going back into my, uh, my vehicle and I'm going to call the cops right now. And I'm going to wait this one out. Besides, besides the brick through the window, I could see how you would like believe if that was like some sort of domestic you know, situation he heard on the phone that his buddy, you know, he got dumped or got turned down. You know, maybe he was thinking like some sort of, you know, domestic dispute came through, but the brick in the window or whatever that was, that threw me, that was I'm with you. It's like, if that's happening, it's too much, you know, you, you, it's just too much to just slowly walk into a place like, you know? Yeah. And I, I think about this too, where I'm like, if I was in a situation where I, was investigating something and I, maybe I thought there was like foul play. I I've always said like, I hate when people walk in and they're like, hello, is anyone here? And they like announce themselves to like the killer essentially. So I'm like, I'd probably pull a mic and I'd probably be quiet, I guess. And I would be like, kind of like snooping around and stuff. So yeah, it's just, it's so unfortunate what happened to him where I mean, I think either way he was going to die because the man in the mask was right behind him with an axe. So he was either going to put an axe in his head or he was going to get shot in the head and ended up getting shot in the head by James. Right. And they make you believe that for a split second that he is going to turn around for a split second. He you see him turn and look and you just feel, you know, it's like he knows, you know, he's going to he's going to whip around and see this guy and they're going to watch him get murdered, you know, but then he just decides to to keep on pushing through the door. One thing. No one would know this, but I just, I like country music and I like the song that was playing when he walked in was called Mama Tried by Merle Haggard and the Strangers. So I don't know if that was just something that the director thought was kind of neat, you know, or what, but, but that song, as soon as I heard it, I I wanted to go play it. And I saw, you know, when it downloaded it on Apple music, um, that it was Merle Haggard and the Strangers. I thought that was really neat that, that, that was like, you know, the two were kind of tied together there. Yeah, that is super cool. No, I I do remember that playing and it was pretty, it fit the scene really, really well. I felt like that scene was really good at making you like, oh, this is our last hope and he just blew it. And now there's no way we're getting out of this without having to directly confront these strangers now. Well, Um, he had no clue at first because he even asked, you know, why why didn't he have a mask or something like that? You know, they, they thought they had shot one of these guys it still didn't hit him yet that he that he shot mike yeah because he went out there and yeah he like i mean he was definitely obviously torn up about it he was like crying and like freaking out she wants to go see and he like full lips on her he's like no (laughs) throws her back into the room 
but she did like console him though because she's like it's not your fault like right you know she tried but i mean you just shot your best friend in the face there's no coming back from that i mean you, you take an irrational man who's already having a terrible night and just made it 10 times worse yeah yeah and then maybe he just became numb to everything i feel like yeah maybe he just become numb to everything else in that situation it's like all right you know what i just fucking blew my best friend's head off let's i'm these motherfuckers are going down i'm right. <laughs> i'm i'm getting out of here or i'm gonna go kill them or something i was gonna say so that now we're caught up that's the part where where you know he decides he's gonna go back outside um i i believe they were going for like a radio in the barn or something like that he was gonna signal for help so the, yeah the, like, the, a, the, the like a ham radio right he cares about his girlfriend and he's just a stand-up dude he he leaves for a for a second time with the only gun in the house <laughs> with like the, with the only sensible weapon they have he just leaves her there again twice yeah they did he tell her to stay in the bedroom or did he just like leave and she was at like the front door again? Yeah, I don't think he even told her much. I think he just told her, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be right back. And, and, and again, she's like, I want to go with you. I want to go with you. And he's just like, no, no, I'll come back for you. You know, he just told her again, he's like, stay here and let me, let me take the gun with me and, and, and I'll be back. Yeah. This was kind of dumb too. Cause like he gets out there and he starts like, he hides behind a tree and then the pinup girl fucking like spotlights him because he like aims at her. And then like in a split second, the fucking dude in the mask, like doesn't he like hit him with the, the butt end of the axe in the face or something? Right. Or like kicks him in the face or something like that. See, they do a very good job in this movie, making it seem like the people aren't paying attention. I thought the same, like you, you, you almost seem like she's like looking around for him or whatever the yeah. whole time. The, these people are in control like they know you know she knew he was right there because then in a split second she bam she shines that light on him and then you know he's getting kicked in the face or whatever you know getting hit with the butt end of an axe i mean that to me that was like it kept hitting home every time you saw something like that like these people are a hundred percent in control there's nothing there's like nothing that you could do you know yeah i also i'm just like why are you like they're even if two of them are preoccupied with something else, there's always one with eyes on the house. So it's like, right. you went through the front door, dude. Did you, like, someone was going to see that you left. They were going to find you. It was like, I probably would have been a little more strategic about it. But uh, yeah, now Kristen runs out there to try to find him or something or runs into the barn, right? And she gets on the radio and almost gets a hold of somebody. Like a guy responds and before she can give the the address for for help uh was it the man in the mask who breaks it or dollface it was dollface and then she what does she say she says something to her right she goes um, you're she goes why are you doing this to us you're gonna die right yeah yep you're gonna die i think you know too she didn't she right then and there too she was wrecked and took like a pretty hard spill and she twisted her ankle or something like that so she's already like hobbling pretty slow at this point yep she well she ends up making it back and this entire time like we have no idea where james is at but yeah she makes it back into the house and i like this scene where she's like trying to creep around the man in the mask who's like hunting her in the house and then she eventually creeps or uh hides in the pantry with the little slats 
I for sure thought that like one of them was in there with her. Did yeah, you? me too. Yeah, I totally did. Yeah, you're just like waiting for a mask to pop out behind you, like in the lights, you know. Yeah, I also thought it was super creepy when the man in the mask, like you thought he was gonna go open that door, and then he just like sits at the table for a second and just kind of, and then he gets up and Dollface ends up finding her in there, right? Right. Well, well, so he knew. He, you you could just tell he knew where she was. You know, he, cause he, he almost like, you know, he paused at the right points. He's just torturing her at this point. Like he knows exactly what, you know, where she's at. Yep. Playing with, they're playing with their food. That's for sure. Yep. Yep. And then they, a kind of fight breaks out a little bit or like she chases her around the kitchen and then she eventually, does she run back into the bedroom and then comes back out and then he, the man in the mask like whips her against the wall and knocks her out right and then and drag dragging up to the kitchen yeah and then this is kind of towards the tail end of the movie here or i guess it kind of is the end of the movie where uh yep that's it they're both tied up next to each other they're waking up and they're th- this is the part that was really scary i, I just found it scary because they were like opening up all the blinds and letting all the natural sunlight in and it was daytime and i think we associate especially with like horror movies and everything like with daytime or sunlight with like safety and they were just trying to show you that like just because it's daytime doesn't mean that you're out of the situation you're still in danger and you're still gonna die so yeah they take off all their masks and then the really creepy line of like why are you doing this to us for like the 10th time that she's asked and she just goes because you were home super scared I feel like that line has stuck with me since the first time I've I've ever watched this movie and that encap- encapsulates everything that we talked about before with just random acts of violence them you know not predetermining who they're going to target it's just whoever answers the door type of thing and then obviously that brings a sense of realism to the situation right like oh yep. if I answer this door and there's someone crazy on the other end like are they going to kill me because I answered the door? No. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. You, they definitely were th- throughout the whole thing. They're playing with them. And in the end, when they take their masks off, you know, they're letting them know that they won, that they, yeah. they, they won. It's over. You know, at it's that not, point, you know, there's no, turn, there's no turning back. And I think at that point you have this whole, I mean, what's the movie? An hour and a half. Mm-hmm. You have an hour, you have like an hour of the, all this build up, all this intensity, you know, everything to get to that point you're excited you know you're like ready for for the for the end they take their masks off you know there's no turning back that's when i was pretty disappointed after that point on it was pretty anticlimactic from there on i don't i i my question for you on that is like do you think that's like like ritualistic for them like they they do that every time depending on like their victims like if they last throughout the night like eventually they capture them they tie them up and then they have like the like where they present them and then they like stab them in the gutter or whatever. And that's how they kind of finish them off. You think that's just kind of their MO? Oh, absolutely. Like I said, that, that that's them letting you know it's over. You know, once they've seen their face, you know exactly what's going to happen. But 
but, but as far as, you know, watching them when, when they ended up killing James first, you know, the one person stabs him once and, and he, you know, he showed a little bit of, he grimaced a little bit and he's turning at her and then they do it one more time, hit the, you know, the finishing shot. And I just sat there and I was like, that's it. That that's how they do it. You know, he, he survived the whole night of torment through him. You know, he did all this and then. God, it's almost merciful. It, it almost is. I was like, that's the way it goes. You know, I was just expecting something more grand, like a lot more, you know. Yeah, I definitely action. do remember being a little bit let down from the ending. Like it was, like you said, a little anti-climactic. But if you think right. about it for them, that's probably not even, that's probably the worst part of the night for them because it means it's over, right? right. The The best part for them is the hunt and the game. And then they're like, okay, well, now it's, getting light out and we should right. probably finish this this up right. so um yeah i don't know if like maybe they could have had a little more like satisfying kill or something but yeah and then uh they say i love you to each other before he ends up dying which was kind of nice but uh he's gonzo yeah i i hate the pleading like she she was trying to plead with them because that's always like so scary to think about because that's like something that could happen obviously happens in like real situations like you don't have to do this like you can stop now like you've already done so much like you don't have to go through with this and it's just like they they don't care like you're not in a position of control like they are like they're not going to listen to you and then they end up killing him stabbing her right in the gut and and leaving her thinking that she's dead and then we get to the uh second to last scene that we we talked about before where they're driving in the pickup and they come along the two kids handing out Bible or Bible, like religious information. And she just doll face gets out and says, can I have one? And he asks, are you a sinner? And she says sometimes. And then that's where pinup girl says, it'll be easier next time. Yeah. Super eerie. And like you said, like, I actually think it's kind of cool that you and I interpreted it like two different ways or i had like two different ways i was thinking about it in two completely different ways and then you had your own interpretation of it which was was obviously super cool i think that's i think it's cool and movies can do that and we all don't just walk away with the same same right. thing yeah yeah and that's kind of the that that i mean to me that's like the whole part of this i mean that's the main thing in this movie like you said in the beginning you know there's no words they're letting you like interpret it yourself you're feeling it yourself right they did this a lot i mean we're, we're scrolling through the script here it's very short i mean there's not a lot of dialogue in here so i mean right. they definitely leave a lot of that up to you and a lot to your imagination especially you know when they leave it on like a, a pretty uncomfortable cliffhanger like that like it'll be easier next time it just makes you feel you know let your mind is just racing with what's what's going to happen next yeah, and then the the final shot is the two boys stumbling across all this this mayhem, and um, then they walk up on Kristen, and you get that final ah, where she wakes up and she's like, she's screaming, so she's alive in that moment. We obviously don't know if she made it or not, but um, you I guess you can assume that the police were on the way and they could have saved her. But that was the strangers. What were your um, What's your overall thoughts on this, on this movie? So I, 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 I like, uh, you know, grading things like that. And, and I tried to like really think about where I would put it. And I think I'd put it like a little higher than the way Rotten Tomatoes had it. I mean, 
it did make me feel something. I, I mean, I'd say maybe like a 5.2, you know, because in the beginning I got chills. It was super tense. Um, but towards the middle of the movie, it, it felt really repetitive. I mean, easily predictable. Like you, you kind of yeah. knew what was going to happen next. Um, you're still holding on the whole time that this can happen to anybody that like literally, you know, it could be, it could have been you, it could have been your next door neighbor. It could have been anybody. Um, but, but it, it just, you know, it, it left a lot that I think could have, could have been much, much better. I mean, there was a lot on the table, a lot of potential that they had. And I think they missed a few things. Yeah. I mean, I, I can agree with you on a lot of those points. I'd probably give it like a five and a half out of 10 stars. If I were to rate it at 10, I think it's a well-made movie. I think that it's it can be a fun and quick 90-minute sit-down and watch. And obviously, I've watched this like four or five times now, so I feel like it still kind of has that high uh, rewatchability, you know, like where you can still get something out of it. Like, obviously, like getting freaked out about home invasion, you know, that's obviously an element that they have. But uh, I kind of agree. Yes, at, at some point, it kind of gets a little bit stale uh, with what's happening and it's really hard too when it's a single location movie to keep things i guess like super interesting throughout the entire movie unless you're i guess quentin tarantino <laughs> or, or some of these like bigger uh directors and storytellers but uh and like i said the the um the the killing of the protagonist was kind of anticlimactic i did like the scene in the pickup truck talking to those boys but uh yeah i mean i i am giving it a five and a half out of ten but i would still like recommend this to people to watch would you recommend this yeah yeah i, de I definitely think so it was it was still a good movie to watch you know i gave it a 5.2 but but i would i mean I'd, I'd even watch it again this is my second time running through it i'd, I'd watch it a, a, a third time i think it's you know there's a lot of scenes and a lot of things in there that that are more like you said you know if you're if you're into movies and you're into that you know type of type of stuff you're going to pick up a lot more and you're going to appreciate a lot more so i definitely think something like this maybe even a second or third time you're going to appreciate it a little bit more than when you watch it the first yeah yeah definitely honestly i'm not going to lie this kind of makes me want to watch part two tonight <laughs> <laughs> i'll have to see if uh if i can fit that in or not but uh well this was super cool man i, I enjoyed yeah. having you on the pod to discuss this uh this movie it's uh it's always fun to hear other people's perspectives on some of these the the, the genre that i that i love yeah yeah this was really cool matt i appreciate you having me on i've been looking forward to this for a long time so we'll have to do it again sometime yeah i'll have you on again sometime all right guys well that concludes the end of or that concludes this episode of the strangers if you want more content from the film room you can go to our facebook twitter or instagram accounts and we also have a tiktok account we're putting out content we also like i mentioned before in the episode we have our patreon page at uh, the film room horror where i have some um, written reviews some photos some some different like short fiction stories that i've been putting out I guess I also have some videos on there, too, if you want to go check that stuff out. All right. Thank you all for listening. Till next time.